to another episode of Cigar Chat. I'm your co-host, John the Cigar Surgeon. Cigar Chat is broadcast live around the world, picked up in the Armed Forces Radio Network. And of course, broadcast live on CigarFederation.com, YouTube.com, and now Facebook Live for all our Facebook listeners out there. Thanks for tuning in. All of our podcast listeners, we haven't forgotten about you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for subscribing and listening to our podcast after the fact. I am joined, as always, by our host... Logan, Logan, what's going on in uh, sunny Texas today, brother? Oh, you know, I'm just glad to be back on the air, Serge. It's been a, you know, a little bit of a hiatus. It's but been a hot minute. We're, we're back. We're, we're back, back in action, and we're glad to be here, fresh from Nicaragua, revived, and just up to my butt and coffee. And that's it. Yeah, I heard you you roasting, uh, roasting, roasting like a mad, roasting like it's a job or a business or I mean, something. It's, it's, I don't like, know. it's like I'm making money out of it. It's, like, it's a shocker. Turns out knew, man? all this Who time, knew? all this time you were making cigars, you should have been making coffee. That's I don't, I don't know what you're thinking. All I gotta say though is just one thing: is that Logan, you cannot deny Logan has a good palate now. Coffee, coffee, coffee do cigars. that, man. Next, next step will be getting you into whiskey, and it'll all just take care of itself. You know what I'm saying? And then Chuck Murphy will come back, and he'll like kill someone, and then he'll be in jail. So I can't do that. Exactly. Yeah, so we, I, don't, I don't see that being a good situation. Chuck Murphy's a bad man. That, we'll move on. That voice you hear is our special uh, co-co-host, Trippy Trent from uh, Share Our Pairings. Trippy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Uh, haven't done a cigar chat in a little while. <laughs> it's going to be very exciting. And of course, our special guest tonight, very special guest, Southern gentleman, classy guy, Robert Holt from Southern Draw Cigars. Robert, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderful. Sunny sunny Texas for, the, for a few days before I hit the road and just blessed to be here. You know, sharing our pairings is kind of my the highlight because I always get to drink beer with you guys. <laughs> but I've enjoyed the coffees that are coming out of land. And uh, obviously, you, Surgeon, one of my favorite guys of 2016 because it seems like our little our cigars that we released last year hit your palate. So kind of kind of good to be back with all of you guys. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I, I did uh, really enjoy your blends. Uh, I think I was very surprised because, you know, I tend – gravitate towards the fuller bottom fully fuller spectrum of the cigar thing and your connecticut uh ranked high on my list and you know that's that's high praise it was a very very good cigar and uh, i'm glad i had the chance to uh to review it and enjoy it well we appreciate it it was exciting for us thank you again you got it so you said you're on the road uh where where are you off to next i know that uh part of the cigar business is being in many places at once so what's uh what's your next destination uh, it is. We're this this next week is uh, Gulf Coast, so I'm going to work my way from uh, from Atlanta uh, over into uh, Alabama and Mississippi. So, so I think, uh, I'm going to stop by and see uh, some of Coop's friends at uh, Smooth Draws on uh, Monday or Tuesday. Nice. And then I'm going to move into uh, Phoenix City, Alabama, which is right on that Georgia line, into Birmingham uh, and Montgomery. And then I've got a, a wonderful event at Cottage Hill Package Store in uh, Mobile. I don't know if you've been there, but they sell a lot of craft beer and a lot of good spirits, and they allow you to smoke cigars, so my kind of place. And we're going to end up down on the Gulf Coast in uh, Daphne, Alabama, in that area, um, um, uh, late next weekend. Nice. Well, I, I, I do have to uh, throw a shout-out to uh, Sirius Cigars. Uh, that's my little plug for Sirius, even though they're not a sponsor of the show. But uh, when I was passing through Houston on my way to Nicaragua. You mean Altadis? 
that's that's right. That is the parent company, Casa de Monte Cristo. Hey, hey, if we're gonna get, call it gotta out, get that dig in there. It, we gotta call it out. Fair enough. I'll call it. All right. Go ahead. They're actually part of Casa de Monte Cristo. That's right. There's a Casa de Monte <laughs> Cristo store now, which is part of. Please continue. Please continue. Very good. Just make sure our listeners. So, uh, of course, on my way through, uh, I had a uh, monster layover in Houston. And as exciting as the Houston airport is, which is not that exciting, uh, six-hour layover means I wanted to smoke. So I just took a quick cab ride over because it turns out that uh, Sears Cigars is only, uh, I think it was 3.8 miles from the airport. And uh, first thing I did is I went in and uh, no order of a lie. I said, so where are your Southern Draw Cigars? And he kind of looked at me and he said, straight in front of you, as you walk in the door, look at, look at eye height and look up. And there was, uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight boxes there. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good way to spend, six, you know, I'd rather spend six hours smoking a Southern draw at uh, Sirius than I would uh, sitting around the airport bored to, bored to tears. Well, it impressed us because that Sirius location has a few facings, don't they? Yeah, that's uh, that's an understatement. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, for those who aren't aware, uh, I am a general manager for 16 cigar locations, and uh, we have some big humidors, but nothing quite compares to that. I mean, literally from maybe ankle height all the way to, and I'm not a tall guy, Robert is certainly significantly taller than me, so if I were to stand on my tippy toes, I could probably reach the boxes on the top shelf, and I think so they've got a shelf probably every foot and a half, and uh, you know, the, the space itself doesn't look that impressive, but when you see how many cigars they have in there, I mean, they've got to have, conservatively, I'd say 1,500 boxes, maybe 2,000 boxes. Really? 2,000 facings? Oh, it's... Like it's wow. so they've got facings around the entire outside, and this is turning into commercial for Sirius. I don't know how this happened, or Altadis. We need to stop it. That's right. So they've got facings all around the outside wall, and then they've got three shelves in the center to take up the middle space. And so the shelving in the center has facings on both sides of the shelving for all three shelves. So yeah, I'd say fifteen hundred to two thousand boxes. There was very few things in there. Certainly, they had the boutique market covered for sure, but there was very few things of very few things that I did not see on the shelf. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, I got a nice lounge there. Some really great, classy guys there. Ended up chatting for four hours. Like I said, I mean, if you're going through the airport, catch a catch a ride there because it's a great way to spend five hours. Is that Bush or Hobby? Uh, the airport. Is it uh, Bush or Hobby? George Bush, yeah. Oh, Bush. Okay. Yeah, you betcha. So, uh, Robert, uh, you know, everyone wants to know always what the, what the new stuff is. And I know that, uh, you know, we just did a big press announcement, uh, for those who haven't checked it out on cigarfederation.com, shame on you. Uh, but, uh, Robert, maybe you can give our audience just a quick primer on, uh, on what you got, uh, queued up. Cause it's very interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the release went out last week and I appreciate the coverage there and sharing and, um, it's a special cigar for us. It's something that has been uh, on my mind since before we released our first cigar. And the Rose of Sharon uh, just started shipping this week, so the first few customers uh, received them yesterday and today, and they're hitting shelves. And look a little something like that right there. So this is a uh, Ecuadorian Connecticut. It's a Nicaraguan uh, Habano. And it's, of course, all Nicaraguan fillers, with the exception of uh, 25% uh, Piloto Lajero. Um, so the Rose of Sharon, uh, much like our other core releases, we're gonna re- we have released in Robusto, Toro, and Gordo to begin with. And uh, it's more pushing more of a medium, medium blend here. And uh, for those that don't know, the reason why it's so special to us is, you know, uh, my wife's name is Sharon. 
she runs this company. <laughs> she really is the heart. <laughs> so I'm the face, right? But it, it, I wouldn't be on the road if it wasn't for her running the office, warehouse, customer service, uh, honeydews, and gopher, and chief bottle washer. But uh, um, she's she's not an unattractive lady. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to life and business, she's pretty firm too, and she kind of can get a little stickler at times. So kind of the Rosa Sharon has a multiple meetings to our company and our brand. And uh, if you look at the core lines, the Firethorn being that medium plus Rosado. Uh, the kudzu, more of a medium full. Um, we were missing a mild medium. Uh, I think we're one of the few companies that didn't release a Connecticut early on. Of course, in the quick draw line, we did. But uh, it's a nice complement to the left end of the spectrum flavor profile for us. And uh, I'll tell you, we were patient with this cigar. Um, and when I went down to package these up a few weeks ago, um, smoking them after smoking prototypes for two years, uh, they were ready, and it, it was just apparent to me, it was apparent to everybody at A.J. Fernandez that these were ready, and uh, we were just uh, just proud to put them out, and we're, we're anxious to, to get feedback from, you know, the media and the customers and the retailers now. I know I like them, but I'm hoping everybody else does, too. Well, I know I've got a couple queued up, and I'd actually be smoking it right now if we didn't have 65-mile-an-hour crosswinds, as it always seems to uh play out here as soon as it gets some warm weather 65 miles 65 an hour miles i don't an hour. believe you true story you can look it up on weather.com is it, is it snow Check it out. well so there was some snow but i think it's uh, just warm enough for it not to be snowing but you know because it's not raining because it's not snowing something has to ruin that great cigar weather and in this case it's like a ridiculously strong crosswind i actually had my uh, camera set up outside and my camera was blowing over which was delightful but nobody wants to hear about that uh robert quick question for you because i know uh, i was a huge fan of all the quick draw releases uh but you also came out with a really interesting project the code duello and uh i know we did a review of that we talked about that project but i think it was kind of one of the more interesting cigar projects that came out maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about that and and what the uh the uh motivation for that project where that came from for you you know first of all the and i appreciate that you know the code duello was uh, was probably the most well thought out message that we had in, in the company i think and it may not mean that we delivered that message and i'll talk about the message in a moment but really what the code duello is it's an annual production of box press perfectos and that will continue every year for all core blends that we have. It started in 2016 with both the Firethorn and the Kudzu. Um, we produce two different Perfectos each year. And uh, the first one is a 6x56. And what we do is we take the same tobaccos, the same blend, and we use a double wrapper on the 656. to kind of create a unique profile. In the Kudzu, it's a fuller bodied version um, with that double Escuro. In the Firethorn, it's actually a smoother, richer with a double Rosado. It kind of creates a unique experience. And then on a 5x58, we, we'll, we have and we will always do a double binder version of the, of the core line. So for the Firethorn, it was a double Rosado, I mean a double San Andreas binder. And it created a fuller bodied uh, um, kind of a spice bomb that uh, just worked real well with single malts, which was really where we were going with that. It just gave it a little more bite to it. And then on the kudzu, the binder in that cigar, as you know, is an omatepe. And this particular omatepe has that real oaky char aroma, not just flavor, um, but it's a lot more aroma. So with the double binder on that cigar, um, it really um, created a smooth, 
cigar and I think an experience that people that do tend to drink bourbons and enjoy bourbons, uh, something that complements it well. And uh, likewise, on Code Duello, uh, the Rose of Sharon will have its too. Um, Code oh, fantastic. Future. And then, of course, the, the next blend that will be released for the show um, that we'll talk just briefly about in a little bit each year. So here's our plans, and hopefully we execute it. Um, uh, first quarter of next year, we expect that the Rose of Sharon uh, Code Duellos will both be released. The second quarter of next year, using the same facings or the same shelf space at our retail partners, will be the Firethorn. The third quarter for next year will be the Kudzu, and the fourth quarter will be the blend that's to be announced, uh, which is a double Lajero, double uh, Maduro. Um, but our thought in that was, and I've talked briefly about it, Code Duello, you know, first of all, cigars have offered me a lot of opportunity to get to know people and it's kind of medicinal in some ways as a crazy veteran. Um, my wife tells me I'm crazy. Maybe it's given me a tool to, uh, you know, sit and enjoy and meet people. And, you know, we're brick and mortar only. I think you, you know that we've done a little bit with you guys. And, and uh, uh, but really, we're about sitting down and having a conversation and sharing our mission. Uh, but the Code Duello was really a message that we wanted to say, listen, these cigars are double banded. Um, they're the same cigars, and if you and somebody else will sit down with those cigars, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you believe in, um, you're going to have something in common to share and start a conversation with. And later on in the year, um, as those cigars sold out and we did some more events, that message became a little crisper, I think. Um, I didn't do a good job with press releases. I'm not, we don't have people. I, I do my own press release, and I'm terrible at it. But, uh, but the message became a little clearer, and people started uh, taking it upon themselves when they buy the Code Duellos to make sure they sit down with somebody, slid one out of the sleeve, smoked it themselves, and shared one with somebody else. So that's a project we will continue uh, on an annual basis, and uh, it'll always be our fifth and sixth Vitola of every core blend. Robusto, Toro, Gordo, Lancero, and then we'll always have the Perfectos as the fifth and sixth, and then there's a seventh Vitola that most of you haven't had what your bellicoso fino that uh, uh, will be available in all all of uh, all of our core blends as well in the future. Nice. Well, I'm excited to try that out. Uh, I do I do like a good bellicoso uh, vitola, and like I said, I really like the uh, the idea, especially now in the realm of uh, everyone ranting their faces off on Facebook. I like the idea of settling disputes or discussions over cigar. It's a little bit more civilized than shouting at each other over Facebook. And uh, if it involves cigars, it can't be bad. Just a reminder to audience, you're tuning into Cigar Chat, broadcast live around the world, picked up in the Armed Forces Radio Network. And, of course, you can tune in at CigarFederation.com, YouTube.com, and now Facebook Live. And all our podcast listeners out there, we haven't forgot about you. Thanks very much for tuning in and subscribing to the Cigar Federation podcast podcast cigar chat this first segment of course is brought to you by gurkha cigars makers of the world's finest cigars go down to your local bnm talk to them about the heritage or the heritage maduro they'll find the right gurkha that for that's uh for you getting back to uh cigar chat here question, Trip, question, logan's question, got a question question so I, and this is a guy that's been very busy the last three or four months and so the code duello I thought, and maybe it's because maybe the messaging was off, so I'll blame it on you, or maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I thought the impetus of the cigar was you take the two cigars, you take a cigar, you sit down with, like, you know, someone, you work out your problems, because if I remember correctly, didn't you have another business back in the day where you had a partner go sideways on you? Wasn't that the start of this? Or am I just making stuff up? 
Well, you're kind of putting several messages together. You're not making anything up. Yes, we had other okay. partners, other businesses. Uh, yes, they did in poorly. Um, and yes, the tagline for Coduello is settle it like gentlemen. Um, but there as I go. said, over the, you're absolutely right, Logan. But I, as I said, as the year progressed and more people got them, uh, you know, I used to, I told the story early on um, when we released the cigars about, you know, go to medieval times, we settle things with fists and then swords, and then we moved to guns and we got the old west. And this was really that modern day duel. But what we found is whether you had a dispute or had or, or just it was a complete stranger, what I found is people started to adopt the idea of always smoking it with somebody else instead of sitting alone, which was really what we intended. Which but is cool. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely okay. right. It was, it was kind of our way of dealing with, uh, I believe that if I would have sat down with those old business partners, no matter what malice they might have had, because uh, I don't have malice, I, I'll be honest, I really don't, but we probably could have settled it over a cigar, maybe take a few bottles of scotch too, but uh, it didn't happen. So now we've got a now we've got a tool for that. You're right. That's cool. So I kind of just all pieced it together, but it wasn't completely out in left field. Okay, no, good. You're there. You're there. Okay. Okay. Well, hey, there you go. Not only does he have a good palate, he has a good memory, and he can make up a good story. <laughs> Back to you, Surgeon. <laughs> Trip, how are we doing for audience questions on uh, either uh, Cigar Federation or YouTube or uh, Facebook? I guess because we might have some Facebook questions as well. We've got a couple queued up. We got a couple shout-outs on Facebook as usual from John Bradford. Sounds like you know John Bradford Jr. Robert. Um, not only do I know John and his <laughs> lovely wife Geraldine uh, that migrated. Old school pipe and pint from the Carolinas that now reside oh, yeah. in Houston. Um, but uh, just close friends of ours. We've been blessed. And actually, there are two of the five people to date that have been dubbed as Southern Draw Evangelists. They really <laughs> share our story and our message and support us so well that they needed to be uh, recognized. And it's not much of a recognition. They get a special hat with special, you know, stitching. But the reality of it is John and Geraldine are phenomenal people and we appreciate their support. Good. They both wanted to say hi, so they both must be watching on Facebook. Uh, um, beautiful. But on to the actual questions. We've got a good starting question from Mark Lambert. Uh, he says he, he didn't know anything about Southern Draw until he came to SIGFED, <clears throat> and we kind of uh, introduced him to it. Nice. And he wants to know, so he's got, I'll read his question, and then I'll ask you a more concise version of that. So he says, how would you divide your releases into body and flavor profile? Uh, and which Vitolas do you think are best? And which, what do you suggest as the order to smoke them in? So I'll condense that into, if you had to make a sampler of five cigars from your line with specific Vitolas, which five would you recommend him? And what order would he smoke them in? Um, man, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> Since we do make five-pack samplers, uh, if it's someone new to the brand, um, we want them to kind of try a little bit of everything, but typically we would put um, all three of the quick draw blends, the Pennsylvania Broadleaf, the Dark Habano, and the Connecticut. We would put those in based on their feedback, A, Petite Corona, or do you like more of a short Panatella, a little longer, a little thinner, which I tend to gravitate toward. Uh, try those blends and see if you enjoy them because there's going to be more Vitolas in those lines as well. Uh, the Kudzu and Firethorn, um, not unlike most people, when I blend them originally, they are blended in a Toro 652. So typically the samplers do have the Firethorn and the Kudzu Toro. Um, that being said, um, I think uh, if you start with the Quick Draw Connecticut, 
it's it's a it's not a mild cigar, so it's a it's more mm-hmm. of a mild medium. Yeah. Uh, I think the uh, Habano should really be characterized, and it's just a dark Habano. It's really about the wrapper in that cigar, a little bit of uh, hammer strand in there as well. But it's a true medium. It's very woody and leathery, and it's non-invasive. It's just a nice, good, clean smoke. It's very oily and rich. Uh, and that broadleaf to me is the most special because um, there's a lot of broadleaf on the market. To see a $5, $5.50 broadleaf cigar that you can smoke is uh, almost unheard of. But I think with AJ and his team and the fermentation, we spend so much time in the fermentation for someone to try broadleaf in a small ring gauge and realize that it's a sweet, rich, complex tobacco, not just that spicy, peppery, you know, bold flavor. Uh, it's a great experience for them to try. Um, and of course, that Firethorn would be my next in line, which, again, Habano Rosado is pretty rare. There's not a lot of companies that use Habano Rosado. It's very thin. It's temperamental. It takes time. Uh, Fuente, to me, made it famous to me. I enjoyed that. Uh, a few other companies have done it. Uh, but it's that, it's that San Andreas binder in that cigar. It's the unique fillers from, uh, again, up near the Honduran border in Pueblo Nuevo that makes that cigar, to me, special and unique. But the Firethorn was the cigar that, after 17 years of hearing complaints about how I smoke too much and I smell like cigars, my, breast stinks, <laughs> my wife smoked it. And she says, you know, if every cigar burnt that clean, on the hands and the eyes and the nose and the throat and the you know hair. If everything smoked that clean, I would have smoked cigars a long time ago. So for people looking for a nice clean smoke with with you know medium medium plus kind of body profile, uh, it's right there. Um, I, I see a lot of people that smoke fuller bodied step down to it, and I see a lot of Connecticut smokers step up to it. And then of course the kudzu, that's my baby. I mean that was the first one. It's a it's a Nice Escuro, but it's naturally fermented and it's got a lot of age on it. So it's kind of a little um, more uh, leathery and a little more dry cocoa and not so much of the pepper, if you will. Um, so I would I would I would put those in that area. And then, of course, with this Rose of Sharon, it's going to give us that, you know, mild medium profile in the larger ring gauge form. It's a uniquely different blend than the uh, Quick Draw Connecticut. And then for those LFD uh, Dominican powerhouse lovers. Um, the next cigar we have coming out is going to complement the other end, which is a true full-bodied, full flavor um, with the double Maduro, double arrow that we're releasing at the show. So we're gonna. I think at that point we'll have something for everybody. Yeah, definitely sounds like it. I know. There's I know. Your you, answer, Mark. Oh, he I, has a shopping list. Now. Yeah, I was gonna say. I know that you, you drop that double arrow, uh, double double uh, Maduro. That. Um, yeah, that sounds right up my alley. I know that's going to be right up Logan's alley because he uh, he likes Lajero for breakfast. So what it depends you- on what kind of Lajero, though. I heard Peloto Cubano Lajero, and I I don't know. Well, number one, you heard that with the Rose of Sharon, and um, oh, we're going to make you guys try it. It's without going into too many details. It's not the typical uh, DR grown Peloto, and I'll let you determine that for yourself. Um, but I tend to use more Nicaraguan Lajero and Esteli Lajero, as you probably know. And most people don't know the Lajero and the Kudzu is actually Connecticut Broadleaf. I just don't say it. This is actually probably the first or second time I've ever mentioned that, that the Lajero is Connecticut Broadleaf in the, in the, in the Kudzu. So we, uh, we have a vast array of Lajeros available to us. And it's not just the tobacco. It's the aging and fermentation that I believe AJ is just a master at. So it's a kid in a candy store mentality when we're blending because we get to substitute and try a lot of different uh, 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 blends, but more importantly, during the, the process, we get, a, we get to look at the ratios. 
and the ratios to me are what really made our blends what they are. Nice. So the uh, previous question, the short answer was there is a sampler, and uh, that's a great way to get into uh, Southern Draw cigars. If you haven't uh, tried any of the Southern Draw, you can get a sampler and try a little bit of everything, which is you know always always a good way to go. It, and one more point: if 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 the listener or viewer enjoys smaller ring gauge cigars, we do have eight cigars that are forty to forty four ring gauge. So if they're not up for the Robusto Toro Gordo, even the Kudzu and Firethorn do come in that six and a half forty Lancero. So you can have a sampler that are all forty to forty four ring gauge uh, in anywhere from four and a half to six and a half inches, and it kind of will give them a great. Uh, idea of the different blends that we have uh, in that smaller format, which is what I enjoy the most. I enjoy the smaller ring gauge myself. That's why we. That's why we make them. And the uh, the price point. I know we don't really talk a lot about price point on the show, but <clears throat> the price point on all those uh, smaller smaller ring gauge stuff is extremely affordable at a time where you know sometimes the smaller ring gauge stuff tends to creep up, and that's I think what drives a lot of people to the larger ring gauge stuff for a value proposition. But the the prices are extremely reasonable. They are. I appreciate you noting that. Obviously, there's a couple of high-tax states, or in your case, high-tax ca- high countries. <laughs> the intention was uh, the Petite Coronas to be 30-minute 30, 30 cigars, uh, really high-quality, well-aged wrapper and, and tobaccos for about 5 bucks, And then, of course, the short Panatellas, uh, really in that five fifty, you know, 45 minutes. And then if you go to our Lanceros, the 6 and a half, 40, we have priced those the exact same price as our Robusto, which is not very typical, as you guys know, uh, Lanceros, they do cost more um, uh, to manufacture. And um, um, I think having them at the Robusto price has allowed us to move quite a few. And people that don't sell Lanceros in their shops have have picked them up and done quite well with them. So uh, I think that part of the strategy kind of lends itself to people trying a Lancero without spending 12 or 14 bucks, you know. Yeah, I'm certainly a, f- a big fan of uh, taking the market and moving it away from larger ring gauge back to smaller ring gauge. And every time we can yes, accomplish please. that, happily. Logan, it looked like you had a question there. I'll let you. Uh, I keep having all types of questions. Fire it off, brother. Cut me off. Fire it off. Question. How many cigars did Southern Draw produce last year? And I want to guess before you tell me. Fair enough. I'm going to guess. And let, let me qualify my question. It's not how many did you order, but how how many were actually rolled box U.S. by from January 1st of 2016 to December 31st of 2016? I'm gonna say 135,000. You guys taking the over or unders? Yeah, what I'm are taking you the over. I'm taking the over as well. Um, the the number is about 290,000. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I shoot low, so it makes everybody feel good. <laughs> Man, with that question. Okay. But no pressure on me because I was like, he's going to fire off 525,000, you know. Uh, it was really our second year of full year of production, right? Uh, we only had a couple of months in 2014, just the fall. But uh, uh, it's, uh, if you look at our first day, the first time we put cigars in retail, August 2014, um, effectively our sales have grown 30, 35% a quarter. So it's, it's, it's grown at a pretty steep pace for little guys that are trying to, collect the coins in our couch to pay for the next round of cigars. But uh, uh, I will tell you this, uh, without the help of everybody, whether it's the media or the uh, uh, the few publications we do business with or some of those, you know, partners like A.J. Fernandez, uh, really getting out there and helping helping with the uh, accounts and 
uh, testimonies, man, we it would be a hard row to hoe for us because I couldn't imagine uh, personally going out and trying to open that many accounts and sell that many cigars. So how much did Southern Draw spend in travel last year? Southern Draw spent uh, 20, 20 nine no twenty eight thousand in free cigars and spent about forty five thousand in travel Oof. okay i'm not i was gonna say when you said twenty eight thousand, i was like dude that's pretty good on the travel budget man oh no i and you know most of that obviously is me because i traveled i did a hundred over a hundred events last year myself oh, wow. I'm not counting wow. wow um but uh right now the travel budget uh every month is about uh five grand and that's flying coach back of the bus you know, uh, 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 the cheapest hotel you can find, but it's every day, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's 25 days out of the month, maybe. I mean, sometimes it's more. Wow. Thank God my wife didn't have to put up with me. Right. <laughs> well, there's a benefit. Key to a long wow. marriage. Key, yeah, yeah. Key to a long marriage. Make or miss you. And yeah. I'll say, um, I realize that we're not the biggest and we're never going to be the biggest and we don't have a plan to be the biggest. Um, we know that we can't spend as much as we'd love to in advertising, although we want to each year increase the budget to support the people that supported us. It's not missed on us at all. Um, and we know we can't market. You know, we don't have we have swag. All of our swag is produced by little local veteran owned companies. And we do pretty good, as you can see the uh, Canadian swag shop up there on the screen. But um, what we can do is we can work hard and we can work as many hours as the good Lord will let us stay awake. and. Uh, we're committed to doing that. I, it's not just me. It's, excuse me, I'm not this brand. There's a lot of other people working uh, equally as hard as I am, and uh, we just decided we're not going to get out work. Um, as long as we stay healthy, which means I need a beer. Right. Copy that. Philosophical question. Before you do that, Logan, I'm going to no, no, I'm going to no, no. now I'm going to cut you off because we have to we have to dedicate this segment, and this segment is brought to you by Cigar Oasis. The, the, the world's innovators and leaders in electronic humidification, if your cigar is not protected by a Cigar Oasis, what are you doing? You need to set it and forget it today. Go to CigarOasis.com, check it out, make sure your cigars are protected. Back to you, Logan. Philosophical question. We all have our opinions about what the FDA is going to do. I think it's game over. Others think it's you know going to be positive. You're doing all this travel, spending a time away from your wife, from your friends, your family, your home. If the FDA does just shut it down, will you be fulfilled and feel good about the time? Or are you always going to be left wanting, knowing that you could have done more, like, and could have taken the business in all types of directions if the FDA hadn't screwed it up? Um, I can tell you emphatically, I won't be filled with regret. Um, yes, it's a good point. I am away from my wife and my family and we're very close and it, more than that, my friends have paid the price. Uh, but we made a decision when the deeming regs came down, we sat down for about three weeks and we thought about it. We looked at our budgets. We looked at what in the worst case, in the best case, what we could do proactively in Logan. We decided that if in the end we were able to take seven or eight core lines uh, and protect those and go through the process. And the process really is getting counseled by and getting consulted with the likes of AJ and other people that are much larger than us that have much more resources. And some of them may not want me to name their names in case I fail, but uh, we've had a lot of help. So 
Uh, and if if it shuts us down, if, if the FDA shuts us down through this whole process, uh, we won't have any regret other than we do have some friends and family money in this deal. And that means I've got to go have a bake sale or dig ditches or whatever to get them their money back. But um, we're head down. We're just going to work harder than ever. And one thing we know is uh, uh, we're doing it for the right reason. And we're committing all the effort and resource we have. And um, if and when that time comes that we have to make a decision based on the FDA, then then we will. But until then, we're just going to keep focused, keep our eye on the prize and just keep going. Now, I know uh, part of the show starting, we were having a little bit of a chat, and uh, one of the things you were definitely missed at the last IPCPR, I know the deeming regulations caught a lot of people off guard, and of course, uh, you made a strategic decision to work on blends and get those in place before those deeming regulations dropped. I assume that we can see you at this year's IPCPR. Absolutely. Um, and it hasn't been announced, but I'll just say it because I've not been told I can't say it. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, We've been blessed here again. And is it our work ethic? Is it our mission? Is it our vision? Is it what we're doing or how we're doing it? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, when you go to the show this year, you don't even have to look in the uh, big book for our booth number because our booth number is inside the A.J. Fernandez giant factory booth. We'll be sitting there. A.J.'s invited us as a brand. Um, and I think it's important to realize that Southern Draw is exclusively working with A.J. Fernandez on anything that's Southern Draw. Um, so per our meeting a couple of weeks ago, we're now uh, in the final planning stages where Southern Draw will be uh, right there in, inside with our wares and uh, hawking our wares and uh, enjoying enjoying a lot of work that he's done to put a very nice, very, very comfortable place to have a cigar, visit a little bit, and then hopefully a few people want to write some orders because that'd be great too. <laughs> so you're the first to know about that. That's cool. Is, is there, there's no other brands inside AJ's booth other than AJ, right? Never has been. And, I didn't think so. My opinion, there never would be. But uh, again, that was a excuse me. My little notes are blown away. Um, it was uh, I was taken aback to say to say the least. Um, we were challenged with who to go with. And there's a lot of people that have invited Southern Draw to kind of participate, build a larger footprint. Last year we had, you know, we were blessed. We were going to spend time there and share a booth with uh, Jim and Oscar and Twin Engine and and uh, Mombacho since you're wearing the shirt. And uh, uh, we didn't get to do that. So this year we were exploring some options. And in the end, you know, AJ says it doesn't make sense. We're your partner. We need to support you. If this is something we can do for you to make life easier and to give you a presence, um, we're all for it. And I, uh, as a grown man, I cried and I was appreciative. And uh, when I told the wife, you know, um, I think it's just going to allow us to get um, those visitors to us and, and uh, spend time with us. And it'll be up to uh, her to uh, sell them because I'm just going to have cigars and sit on the couch with everybody else. <laughs> Well, I'm, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to sharing a cigar with you in AJ's booth. I know in the past years, uh, his booth has certainly been full to the gills, as they say. So, uh, you know, there's, there's no expectation for me that your booth won't be uh, running over, especially when people have a chance to try your cigars. I know they're good. They wouldn't be on my list if they weren't. Uh, so that'll be really cool. And, that, you know, that is phenomenal, the fact that you got invited to the booth. I mean, that, congratulations. That's fantastic. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Now, I got a question for you guys. Um, Going into the, the show, um, looking at back to the FDA regs and cigars, and I've seen the clarification on retailers and sharing samples. How does that how does that work for the media? What 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 have you guys been advised of? What the FDA don't know, the FDA can't know about. 
No, I'm just kidding. That is not the opinion of Cigar Federation and or its affiliates, employees, and or contractors. Um, so at least from my understanding, from I won't name the attorney, but um, still, like, there's, there's a reason we don't give out. I mean, I could. Um, like, when it comes to, we used to give out a bunch of cigars on Cigar Chat, right? And right. the issue is retailer to, you know, like, retailer, because obviously we're a retailer too. We can do it, but... To me, it's a, such a big pain in the butt where I'd have to charge everyone five bucks and like da da da, you know, and like it would just be such a pain. And honestly, it's just frankly, it's just not worth it. Um, but at the show, since it is business is being transacted, then and that could be media selling or media buying or whatever, then samples shouldn't be a problem. I mean, I know that there will be guys that it's funny because, you know, I don't say names, but I still get cigars all the time from people and uh but it's funny it's people that i know like really well have been to their house you know call them you know call them up right now and they'd answer um when it, all this came down it was a reason for them not to give samples you know what i mean so it's kind of interesting but but you guys are unique because you have a retail license very I, unique i think you know the majority of the cma most of those i don't think are retailers in any way no uh, Other than is, Dave Garofalo, my my concern for some of those folks are uh, how they'll be met, because it's a vital part of what we do, and more importantly, I I don't know if you've watched our strategy over the last few years. Usually, all the media are the first ones to get them before they, they get ever the hit cigars. The Absolutely. No, and and this time, and I know you've probably got a few prototypes there, uh, uh, John, but I want you to have the real deal. Um, and that those are all in route here pretty quick. But uh, for some of the media, um, they're just, you know, that's their part-time job. They have other jobs that are outside of the retail or distributor side. So I'm concerned that uh, um, if the rules aren't clear on that side, some of those guys are going to uh, not be enjoying the same amount of cigars and uh, the same visits um, at the show. I guess it depends on every individual company. But I didn't see in the clarification where it says you can share with the media even if business is being tr- transacted. Transacted. Yeah, however, you guys are a retailer, so that's safe. It's a little, can... it's a little different, but yeah. yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, I know several guys that are in the media. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but who I've talked to, and I've asked if they were going to the trade show. They've been going to the trade show five, six, seven, eight years now, and they're like, nope. Hmm. Wow. So I really think the media <laughs> attendance will be way down at the trade show. I think it'll be way down. That's just my opinion, though. Well, I think <clears throat> you know. Talking about since we're on the topic, I think some of the some of the um, factors that are probably going to play into that is the fact that the uh, the cost for attendees has gone up. Uh, certainly for the media, it's gone up. Uh, the venue has moved. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of discussion about the the venue moving, and it's it's a little inconvenient. Stratosphere, baby. Not, not going to be the stratosphere. Yeah. Absolutely using the we're power back of the you know, stratosphere. One hundred percent. Just for our audience out there, never stay at the stratosphere. Uh, never stay at the stratosphere. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, you know, like like you were saying, Robert. I think you know, I have I have a full time job outside of Cigar Federation, and you know, doing something that costs me money to promote product. Um, the more unattractive that's that's made as a result of uh, some of the costs attending to that that event, that just makes it tougher on the media. And it doesn't surprise me at all that there'd be media people that would just simply reach a point where they they'd say, you know, I. I don't need to spend fifteen hundred dollars to uh, to go and promote someone else's product when you're not gonna you're not gonna make it easy on. It. I think the manufacturers have always been um, very 
uh, accommodating for media. And I don't think there's ever been a time that they, they haven't, but uh, it seems like everyone else kind of tends to not make it necessarily as easy as they could for media. So uh, that's unfortunate to hear that. Trippy, uh, how are we doing for audience questions? How are the... Uh... Uh, we've got a couple more in the queue. Uh, let me see which one. Here's a good one that I think actually you partially answered already with the uh, moving to the AJ Fernandez booth for IPCPR. As a small boutique manufacturer, how do you get people to set your product apart from other manufacturers uh, when there's you know there's a million manufacturers out there? Well, uh, and I think uh, if the question is only about IPCPR, I mean that's that's one answer because our hesitation for the first two years before we missed last year. Uh, to focus on production and, and new releases, um, it was a concern. It was a concern because we've been to IPCPR and we've watched smaller manufacturers really struggle. Um, like I told AJ, if I've got to put a booth in the corner and trip people to get them to stop, you know, uh, it's probably not something we want to invest in. Um, we loved it. What we missed last year was spending time with people. What we didn't miss was sales because we made up for the sales throughout the year. We were, again, we were blessed in that sense. But uh, outside of IPCPR, I think it's a key question. And, and you know, part of our strategy is if you look at some of the larger cigar companies and what they did over the years, especially the brand owners, um, you've got to be seen. You've got to make personal relationships, not just with retailers and managers and staff, but with customers, because it's those customers that in every shop you need four or five of them that are going to every four or five cigars are going to reach for your brand. And the only way to do that is go build some common ground. You've got to invest your time in them. If you expect them to invest in your brand and you know, it's not easy for me to be on the road, uh, whether it's with a rep, uh, which, you know, we use brokers and independents, but it's a necessity. And uh, the joy of it is when, uh, when those customers get to share a cigar at an event or a cut and light or me walking into a store, and then they start following us and communicating and sharing their pictures with us and their stories and, their momentous occasions where they're getting married or their favorite team just got the crap beat out of them in the uh, Elite Eight. We won't name any names. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, we feel like that's the only way we can differentiate ourselves is to spend more time in the market, work harder, and be with the customers. If you ever watch it at an event, much dogs coming down. Um, yeah. We realize. We realize that even even at events, that having one person there makes it difficult, right? Um, you really need the staff at those shops to help sell at the table so we can spend time with the customers, not just stand behind a table and uh, look pretty or ugly in my case, um, and just sling specials, right? We've got to be able to sit down with these individuals and let them know that we appreciate them attending the event, supporting the brand. And a lot of times it's people that already have a go-to cigar that haven't even bought Southern Draw. But if you get to sit down and talk with them, Next thing you know, they come up and they try one out and maybe you hit their palate. So uh, we just believe one-on-one -on -one relationships and spending time with customers, retailers, and, and, and owners uh, is a key part of our strategy. And it's where our drawer comes from. Why else do it? Like I tell people, if you've got two chairs and an ashtray, I'd like to sit down with you and have a cigar because that's, that's a, a time that uh, is used very wisely in our opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, the power of you know personalizing yourself really is one of those valuable marketing tools in this business we're we're a brand but but sharon and i we're on a mission right we we really do have a message that we want to share uh this is a very humbling experience for us i mean i think we we've made less and we'll always make less in cigars than we've ever done in anything else in our life and we've come to that point in our life where this is enjoyable together 
that the message that we want to share is 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 provided or afforded us when we go spend time with people. So outside of that, will they go to the website? Some people watch the show or listen in on the podcast, but one-on-one is where the message really, I think, becomes clearer to people, and they decide whether they like us or don't like us at that point. Just a reminder to your audience, you're tuned to Cigar Chat, broadcast live around the world and picked up on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Cigar Chat is broadcast live on CigarVidation.com, YouTube.com, and now Facebook. Thanks very much for all our podcast listeners out there. I was checking it out today. We've got podcast listeners from Indonesia, Singapore, Great Britain, the UK, Burkina Faso, Sweden, uh, and a whole ton of other countries. So uh, glad to hear you guys are tuning in and uh, subscribing to the podcast. Logan, this last segment is brought to us by who? Uh, uh, Drew Estate. I say Lane Coffee. Yeah, but yeah, we might as well. Hell, uh, next segment's brought to us by Drew Estate. Drew Estate, <clears throat> get you some. Back to you. I don't like to do reads anymore. You hate That's doing reads. <clears throat> I don't. We we gotta get I you doing some Lane Coffee like reads for sure. Get you practiced up. Hey man, I don't I don't mix business with business. That's that's completely little, different. Thing. Little B two B brother. B two B. No man. No no man. Lane Coffee's the baby. It hasn't become a behemoth like Sigfed yet. It's still just a baby, and I like it. Kind of like Callaway. When she gets older, I probably won't like her as much. But right now, she's awesome. I, I like the little ones when they get to the point where you can actually have a conversation with them and see what's going on in the little minds. Oh it's kind of it's, fascinating. It's it's trippy, dude. It's like what they remember. It's crazy. Oh. It's like she'll remember stuff like, Daddy, Captain America kicked me in the face. And she rolled over on her Captain America thing the other night. I didn't <laughs> kick her in the face, but... She thought it kicked him in the face. And then you, I cry, and you come up and kiss me. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's right. And she goes, and I tell Captain America he's bad. And I'm like, yes, you did. It's awesome. <laughs> Anyways, enough about my daughter. Uh, Robert, I have an unusual question for you because uh, we've talked about the behemoths of the cigar industry, and I don't mean in a, in a figurative sense. I mean in a literal sense. So between you, Willie Herrera, Omar DeFries, and Robert Caldwell, who's the tallest of them all? And who would win in a back alley street fight? I, I would probably win the street fight because I don't play I don't play fair. Uh, but <laughs> you got to look at the stature. I mean, Omar's got to be the guy, right? I mean, he's I, pretty I, big. He's a pretty big dude. It, he's massive. It's a no brainer. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, we got to put a saddle on that guy. You know, yes. I'm just average. I mean, in Texas, I'm I'm just average. You know, I'm only six three, and that's why I got to wear big cowboy boots. Uh, or big boots because I got to elevate another inch or so to get some respect around here. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think you're right. Omar's stature wise is the biggest, but I don't know. I think Willie Herrera is probably the most nimble. Well, he he, mm. he, he is he does move. He does. He's one of the, he's like um when you see a heavyweight boxer kind of dance around the yeah, ring right on his feet. Yeah. He moves in a way that a guy his size doesn't seem like he should be able to move, and I'm not sure if that's, you know, maybe that that Cuban background, maybe you know, there's something there. I don't know, but like I, I've seen Omar dance, man. It's yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe. Hey, he ain't no move. chocolatito. That's what I know. He ain't no chocolatito. Don't don't bring <laughs> yeah. back don't bring back those tough memories of Nicaragua, man. Chocolatito yeah, losing we broke my heart. I thought we were gonna get killed, man. Riots in the street. Did you did you so, watch so, the? It sounds like. Sounds like we're going to have to do an Esteli uh, 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 Ninja Warrior course or something to find out the answer. Absolutely. There we go. Ooh. Absolutely. Trip- I'll teach an Oscar Gomez. <laughs> yeah. We'll see who wins. <laughs> Trippy, what do, we, what do we else uh, do we have for audience questions there on Facebook uh, or CigarFederation.com? So our good buddy Shooter has a Shoot. great question. Shooter. Shoots. Yeah, we got to give a couple shout-outs to Shooter. I knew that was coming. Uh, 
he wants to know, are you still working on blends? Have you, with the, all this FDA stuff, do you guys just give up on blend blending for a while and hope everything turns out okay? Or do you keep working on blends just in case? Um, and the answer is, we always work on blends because I'm an obsessive, compulsive person. I'm not an optimist. I'm a realist. But when new tobaccos and new fields and new regions are being grown and you fall in love with it and you go, someday I got a plan for that, you start blending toward it. And you start saying, now I got to look at the price point. Is it? It's not like we're going to go invest in the tobaccos yet, um, but we know where to get them. So yeah, we're always toying with blends. Um, and it, it, you know, so that's the short answer of it. But it's not that aggressive. You know, four or five years before we ever launched our cigar, where we're blending and you got twenty or thirty different you know versions of the same blend, and you're trying to work it out, work out the ratios, and work out the vitolas and round box press you know which format to, to sell it in and um so that's the short answer we're always working on it but um for us one thing we do and we have done is and and maybe you know this maybe you don't but every cigar of the same size we sell costs the same no matter what blend it is every petite corona every lancero every robusto every toro i did every notice that when i put it in the store because it makes it so easy to set up your products so, so easy but it does a few things it, it also doesn't allow us to cannibalize our own blends on the shelves when you get multiple facings out there. I mean, that was our intention, but the most important part of that was behind the scenes, which was when we're factoring five to 10 year uh, projection models, looking at the cost of labor, looking at the cost of wrapper, look at the cost of binders and fillers, looking at the cost of labels and boxing and, and really creating a model where we can have a, a, a fixed cost per cigar that we use inside our model in-house. So that was really the intent. So when we look at new blends and we look at the cost of those tobaccos potentially ever coming to market, if, if, if the FDA walked in one day and goes, tell you what, we were wrong, I don't think that's gonna happen. So I don't think we're ever gonna get to use those. Um, but what if it's a blend that one of our partners enjoys? What if it's something that they're excited about and they, they do have the capital to register that? and uh, go through the approval once it's established and defined and everybody knows. Um, you know, it's kind of like getting uh, getting credits on a book or a movie, right? So we're going to continue to do it, and I keep my little green book, which is behind me, and, uh, you know, uh, if and when that happens, we'll have new blends, and if not, maybe it's something that will excite one of the big guys. That, uh, not that they can't blend. We know they can't. But it could be kind of like a collaboration at some point if I grow up big enough. Mm-hmm. Trippy, what else you got? Uh I think that's all the questions we've got for now. Oh, no, we do have one more. Uh, Don Bleeker, who we we hung out with in, on Safari Bleaks, a couple weeks you're ago. You're a weird dude, man. Get He's off a weird dude, my but I like show. Him. Get off my show. <laughs> now. He uh, he wants to know if you'll be at uh, CI Cigar Fest this year. Um, I will not. All right. You're a good man. I will not. <laughs> you know and what? The- cigar Federation should have... S- Cigar Fest. Yeah, it really should, should, actually. You know what? But that, that'll never happen because that means I'd actually have to do something. You would. You'd have to yeah, show up. You'd have to play nice. And, and, but listen, Austin would be a horrible place to have it because yes. no offense, Robert, you will attest. It's not the Matt Smoke friendly um, at all. No. No. I, I, I feel like it's the most underserved, under. It under, really is. Uh, underserved cigar market in the country. I mean, you look at Austin. We're the 11th largest city in the in the country. And we've got. Is it 11 now? Seriously? Wow. We're number 11, and God. San Antonio's number seven, and sooner or later, you got to put those together, and you, you create a pretty massive, within an hour, if you look at the Dallas-Fort Houston sure. Metroplex, we're massive. 
Uh, of course, Casa de Monte Cristo is coming in. They're a month yeah. away from opening here in Westlake, but that only gives us six places to go buy a cigar and sit and enjoy without being harassed, right? Uh, so, uh, man, I wish four or five more would come in down here and people would uh, people would give us a place to uh, go enjoy a cigar. It'd be awesome. But I think we need a Central Texas cigar, some kind of, not a festival but we got craft beer and we got distilleries and we got cigars right. so good stuff hopefully i'm in for a sponsorship if, if we you can delegate logan <laughs> delegate somebody else to put it dude in. i could delegate with the best it's of true actually he is good <laughs> at delegating I'm a, hey man corporate living man work, work hard work up. smarter not harder is your motto to a t very true bro. absolutely but it's got me it's got me a long ways man central central texas cigar and beer beer bash sounds uh sounds like we got to make that happen absolutely i'll be there 2021 calling it robert what's uh what's the next event that you're off to i don't think we talked about that yet where are you uh where are you headed next and how how long till you got to take off gulf again coast. Gulf oh coast. gulf coast yes yeah we're doing gulf coast so i'm doing uh events at m cigars in phoenix city and then uh montgomery i mean uh mobile alabama cottage hill package store bushes and fairhope alabama or if they say down there fairhope and then uh, main street down in daphne alabama we're going to cover that uh next week um we come back and then uh elite has their big event there in dallas elite cigar cafe kent pennington and his team miss laura and john and that'll be a people omar will be there i think caldwell will probably be there but fred rue will probably be there but it's a really nice boutique multi-vendor um and then right after that is the texas cigar festival serious cigars uh um, as well, come together down there, and that, I don't know if you've been there, but I, mean, you're, I, I don't know how many they sell thousand or two thousand tickets. It's a pretty big, pretty I big. Was there festival. in two thousand eleven? It was pretty big. It was one of the first years they did. It was massive. Yeah, so it's bigger and bigger, um, bigger than ever. Um, but between now and the show, um, you know, I'm doing about three events a week, four events a week. Next week, I'm doing six events in five days. So uh, we're we're going to continue that path, um, and I I try to. Give some heads up on it, but I don't really know that too many people on social media are out there really care if I'm doing an event offense. But uh, I try to try to share it as I as I plan it out, and we get posters and press out to it. Question: I just have a question I want to ask because I've never asked it before, and I think it's a great question. When you're traveling for events, what is the best strategy? Is it to go and like let's say Dallas, right? Because you could go hit ten shops in Dallas in one day. Is it better to go hit 10 shops real quick in Dallas, or is it better to go do one shop a day and have to travel a little bit more so you don't do as many shops, but maybe that's like the, like coming to Austin, right, where you maybe only hit one, one shop where it's not a huge market? What's a more successful strategy typically? Well, I mean, for, for me, it's, it's the bigger markets are easier because there's more shops, right? But on a trip, typical event day, you have two kinds of events. Weekend events tend to be earlier in the day. Um, which means that's usually your first stop to set up. And events never end when they say they're going to end. Case in point, uh, Casa de Monte Cristo in Mooresville, North Carolina last week, we went from 10 a.m. till 10 p.m. Um, so the bigger markets, it's easier to go visit three or four of our other retail partners and, and family people that hang out there. Um, what I found is if you're going to do an event in Dallas or Houston or San Antonio uh, and you don't stop and visit two or three of your retail partners and you're only going for an event, it's a black eye. It's an insult, and I and I would take it as an insult. Come see us as well, and then what happens is, give it a little bit of time. They're going to want events too. So um, now there's some other territories, Logan, where they're spread out. Um, 
And if you can see two or three customers in a given day before the event for an evening event, uh, you're all better for it. But we usually plan out a start point and a stop point uh, for everything. And usually the start point has an event and the stop point has an event. And then we have visits for three or four days in between average of five or six a day. So I'm going to see as many people as I can with this caveat. And the caveat is the most important person in the world is the one in front of me. If I've got an event, I know i got to be there at a certain time. If we go into a shop for a visit and they only have a half an hour, we smoke a quick draw. And if they've got three hours, I'm going to sit there until until I know I only have so much time left to get to the to the event. So it kind of varies, but I want to see as okay. many people as possible. Okay. Robert, uh, you let our audience know where they can find more information about uh, Southern Draw and where they can find you on social media and get out and contact you on social media. Yes, sir. S- uh, SouthernDrawCigars.com is the website. Maybe not the best website. I need to invest a little more in that. I just had somebody look at it and tell me I'm at a 60 out of 100, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, Facebook, Southern Draw Cigars. Uh, of course, I have a Robert Holt that also feeds the same exact feeds. Uh, Instagram and Twitter are SD Cigars, at SD Cigars. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you have any complaints, those are for my wife. That is Sharon at SouthernDrawCigars.com. <laughs> Always get the pretty lady to handle the complaints, and all of a sudden the complaints just suddenly melt away. Yeah, she handles it well. We're, <laughs> we're, uh, we've got a secret weapon. Fantastic. <laughs> we'll have to have you on uh, sharing our pairings again soon. We had a blast last time you were on sharing our pairings as well, so we'll uh, try and schedule that hopefully before the next IPCBR coming up. Hey, I'm excited. I like, uh, I like, the, I like the beer and the, the, the spirit segment, so that'll be fun. Fantastic. Well, thanks everyone who tuned into this episode of Cigar Chat Live, broadcast around the world. Thanks to all our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners out there. As we always say, you are built to do things we are not built to do. Our guest is built to do it, but the rest of us are not. Uh, We appreciate your service wherever you're stationed in the world. Hope you are staying safe. Hope you have a great, safe weekend and have enjoyed this 58 minutes of Cigar Chat. We'll be back next week live at a regular scheduled time, Thursday, 8 p.m. And of course, check out Sharing Our Pairings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard on Wednesday. We'll be back doing some pairings. We'll have a full pairing in store for you next weekend. Have a great weekend and stay safe. Giggity. We back. Fuck you, surgeon. So, of course, uh, we are still broadcast live on Facebook, YouTube, and picked up on podcast, Fuck but you, we are uh, not you. picked up on the Armed Forces Radio Fuck Network. You. <laughs> Did I mess you up? No. No, I've been know, I've been working with you for far too many years. It doesn't even phase me. You're like me. immune to it. I could totally yeah, you can't totally shake in like ten seconds. Yeah, you can get been... you can get Rob heated up. You know what? You know what? You know what I think it is. Rob and I had a blowout today. It's Did not you? Good. Let me just tell you that. Not good. Coffee's head. breaking up. Oh God, it's not good. <laughs> the dream is it's dead. Wrong about that. Breaking up is hard to do. Shit, not <laughs> when it's Rob, bro. Just cut that shit loose, man. You know what? He, you know what I think it is, Logan. I think if you've done enough years in retail, there is just about nothing that will surprise you or phase you or get under your skin. You put in five, six years in like hardcore retail, and like, I'm good. you can, I mean, you hardcore can have just retail. people scream at you and swear at you, and you're just like, meh. Nothing, nothing you're saying really gets under my skin. Uh, ironically, the only thing that used to get under my skin. This is so funny. When I worked in the call center is uh sarcasm sarcasm for yeah people could just drop f-bombs on me they could insult my mother and i'd laugh it was like it wouldn't bother me in the slightest but for some reason sarcasm sarcasm really got under my skin it was the strangest thing yeah dude that's strange i I mean 
I did the whole thing with Lane where I said, hey, you know, email everyone. Why haven't you bought from us? That was I a great email, people. by the way. That was a great email. I know. And, I, and I actually responded back to everyone. It was like a couple hundred people and people were like shitting themselves that I responded back. Um, <laughs> and it was all part of the design marketing master Logan. Over that was, that was here. a great but, marketing uh, campaign. Was, I was going to tell well you about played. that. It was well played, you know? Uh, but anyways, the best response that I got, I won't name his name, but I don't even really know who it is, but his response was, why haven't you bought, why haven't you bought from us? You're a little too whiny in your emails. You seem like a girl. And I was like, yes, I score. I accomplished the goal. That's exactly why I want to be a little whiny and a little annoying. That's funny. But hey, man. Your emails definitely come off annoying. You know who wrote them? Rob. Not me. <laughs> That's why it's fucking funny. Defend himself. Yeah, it's Rob writes them, not me. You can't let me write. It's like fucking caveman using sticks and berries to write it on the wall, man. You know it's gonna be like shit. It, it's it's yeah. true. Your use of the English language is like a heavy blunt instrument, and it it pains it's, me sometimes. It really does. It's, fucking, it's really bad. That's why Rob writes them. Yeah, and that's why I got such a chuckle out of saying he sounds whiny like a girl. <laughs> Rob did not think it was so funny. I thought it was quite funny. So, sure. so Robert, just to engage our guest here, so he's not bored at our antics, uh, I just got back from back-to-back uh, cigar trips. I was in How was Cuba? Uh, Cuba was good. Uh, you I, should watch Sharing Our Pairings. Yeah, we, I think we, we learned a lot about Cuba. We had about a 45-minute segment on it. Um, I'm okay. Uh, but so I essentially, because apparently I don't like being happily engaged, I thought it would be a good idea to go on a cigar safari and then turn around and leave for another five days to Cuba, which in retrospect, maybe not the smartest move I've ever done. But she's in school though, right? I thought she was like gone. Yeah. Or but was she home during that time? That, well, she would have been home during that time. So that essentially means that she didn't get she didn't get to see me for Yikes. a 19-day period. Yeah. Dude, that was not the kissy winky. That bro. was that not was kissy face winky. That was, a, that was a poor play on my behalf. But but uh, obviously during those trips you smoke uh, a metric ton a metric ton of uh, of cigars. How many cigars do you think you've ever smoked? Like if you can think back, what's the maximum number of smoked cigars you've ever? And I assume it's probably during a blending session, but that you've you've partaken in during a day. Um, I can think back to the kudzu and firethorn, and it was about twenty three to twenty six. Um, uh, blends, and and but here's why. <laughs> here's why. <laughs> so I remember sitting and I had a big round conference table. We're doing the final final blending, right? And uh, I had all the different ratios that I'd created, and I'd smoking them all. You know, eight or ten draws, and I put it down. Take notes. Take notes. Take notes. And I put them around the table, and uh, I was drinking a lot of water. Yep. So I got up. And I walked into the bathroom in Nicaragua, of course. And the first thing is I hit my forehead on the door frame. <laughs> kind of disoriented me a little bit. So then I went to the urinal. And then I went to the sink to wash my hands. And I kind of, the plunger was in the sink, whether it was intended to or not. Yeah. The water, it kind of filled up a little bit. And I leaned forward to wash my hands. And my phone fell out of my shirt pocket <sighs> into the sink. Oh, so man. Recovery mode, get it apart, get it, you know, dry the best you can, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, this is bad. Whether it was five minutes, seven minutes, ten minutes, it seemed like an eternity. I walked back out into the room, every cigar was gone. And I said, what in the hell just happened? They're like, uh, the cleaning lady came in and just cleaned everything up and thought you were gone. Oh, no. Oh, boy, that's shitty. Consuela didn't get her bonus that day, I'll tell you that much. And I said, she works in a cigar factory. I mean, she sees this all day. Why would you ever? 
I've never had somebody take my cigar in Nicaragua, Honduras, Dominican Republic, not even in my own house, without asking. Yeah. You go yeah. to a shop and they ask you, are you finished with that? Yeah. Well, obviously, I wouldn't finish with all of those cigars. Yeah. They're all in different states. Some of them, well, surely they weren't burning after that long. I don't know because they were fresh. But uh, so rewind, do it over. So I had to smoke extra. Uh, for oh, a few my days Lord. But uh, yeah, it uh, <laughs> it was a terrible, terrible, great experience, right? So fun fact. If your phone ever gets wet, take it apart and put it in a rice. Yep. Well, I got the rice later, but that was after I uh, him and Hodden smoked a bunch of more cigars. But yeah, rice works uh, works like a charm. Yeah. You fall in an Indian <laughs> shithole, fucking clears it right up, bro. <laughs> yeah, That's I've true. I have a lot of respect for the uh, blending sessions because I've only uh, truly participated in one blending session and. I don't know what I was thinking, but I did it on about five hours of sleep with no breakfast, and I got to about the twentieth cigar, and I was like, I don't, I don't know how guys can do this because uh, you know I think my nicotine tolerance and tobacco tolerance is pretty high, but uh, I think I was pretty, pretty tapped out for the rest of the day. I think somebody offered me a cigar six hours later, and I was like, no, no bueno, <laughs> no bueno, my you friend. Got to start it with coffee, bacon, eggs, and toast. Mm. And go from there. Absolutely. You gotta, do it. You you gotta, gotta have that solid it. base. Put a little bit of more protein, maybe tip top chicken, a little fried chicken, something kind of greasy and oily. So put some protein Man, in your butt. Tip top. Mm-hmm. Uh, tip top. Well, I mean, and, and I'll tell you, when I was blending this puppy, that's the one you're waiting on right there, boys. Oh, mm-hmm. baby. That is a broadleaf Nicaraguan Maduro double Lajero. Yeah. And I'm rocking just thinking about smoking it for the first time. <laughs> uh, it's getting a chub. I don't know if you guys remember, but I, I blended this cigar, what, 16, 18 months ago, whatever, and I brought back a few samples, and I was in Dallas. I landed at the airport, and I had to go by the warehouse, our warehouse in Dallas, and then I had to drive to Austin. About 15 minutes north of Waco, which is the halfway point for us on a almost 200-mile drive, I lit it up, took about five or ten draws. I had to pull over on the side of the road, open the bed of my truck, and lay in it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I had phone and I had not eaten. I had like the 7 o'clock flight, went to Dallas, went to the warehouse, and then started driving to decide I'm going to give her a pull. Woo, baby. So it's going to have a disclaimer. It's uh, <laughs> a rack of ribs. Some kind of protein needs to be eaten before you consume that one. Best paired with Texas barbecue. There you mm-hmm. go. That there little bourbon go. to chase it. That sounds like a good episode of sharing our pairings. Mm-hmm. Rack of ribs episode? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. Sounds. I don't know if that'd be good for radio, though. I don't think anyone wants to hear us smacking. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone would want to listen to that. Uh, at least we they don't, don't have to look at you. We uh, when we get closer to that day, either we'll do it in, in Vegas or we'll do it here, and uh, we'll do a we'll do a live show, and we'll get some uh, burn ins and some uh, bourbon, and uh, we'll we'll kick that thing off. I haven't made any decisions on that. We should we should think about doing something special that involves eating protein. I yeah. think that sounds like a great idea. We've never done a sharing our pairings episode from Vegas, but mostly because uh, in some <clears throat> strange, weird world, the uh, internet in Vegas sucks, and it the internet everywhere else bad. does not suck, which is really bizarre because I don't get it. But yeah, no, that's a good idea. Sharing our pairings from Vegas. We should do that. Mm-hmm. It might turn out like sharing our pairings from Estelle, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, in the end. We don't care. We're going to eat some food. We're going to smoke some new cigars. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, can't go wrong with that. We'll apologize later. You yell four after you swing, not before. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
What's uh, what's been your favorite uh, beverage pairing so far? Because obviously, you've, you know, since we last had you on sharing our pairings, you've done a lot of blending. You've come out with some new some new cigars. What's what to date is still your favorite beverage, alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Doesn't really matter. And and cigar pairing that you've done. Well, a if it's non-alcoholic, I really only drink water and unsweet tea, and neither one of them work well with cigars. Nope. Although if you're just cleansing your palate, so let's forget about those. Uh, I'm a big craft beer. I, I I love the art of craft beer, just like I love the art of cigars, right? So, um, Funky Buddha IPA still stands out as one of the all-time greatest for the Firethorn. This citrus, hoppy, you know, little spice. And the first time I had the pairing was at D Gate at the uh, at the Miami airport at about six o'clock in the morning. And I had them bring me a beer, and I, I I just couldn't get enough of it. I had to go do that pairing a few more times. Um, if you remember, I did the Reverend. I did a triple Belgian with the Connecticut right. uh, on a 100-degree day. When we were on the show, um, I was sitting out here, and it was 100 degrees on the patio. And I tell you what, it was the smoothest, richest, most complimentary pairing that I've done. And, and I tell you, I don't tend to – the kudzu um, – is one of those that I tend to reach for the uh, single malt or really the bourbons I've, and, or some nice Añejo tequila. I mean, really neat and really enjoy the aromas and flavors of the kudzu as they complement, especially bourbon. I mean, there's just nothing like it. Um, but uh, in the in the fall and the winter, having those great porters and stouts, those seasonals that come out that have a little bit of creaminess, especially a coffee porter, uh, more some that have a little drier cocoa, um, for me, with the kudzu, it's one of the greatest pairings. Nice porters and stouts, milk stouts. Um, it just creates, uh, there's a little acidity in there, but it's just creamy and rich and cocoa and coffee. And I mean, crap beer in the fall to me is the greatest. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So taking it back to Vegas, <clears throat> you know, one of the things we talked a lot about during the uh, Las Vegas show was places people were eating. So since we didn't get the opportunity to talk to you about that, and this is kind of the after the after the IPCPR show, but what has been your favorite place or places to eat in Vegas? Um, well, I'm a poor brand owner, so uh, man, <laughs> if it's a buffet, I'm there. But I'll give you a, my, my my favorite place to eat, eat in Las Vegas all time over the last twenty something years is going to be very very close to the this year's location for the for the show. It's the old Pierros, the old school Pierros that if you've ever saw a mobster movie anybody that was in vegas it's a uh, italian place it's just right across from las vegas convention center it's it's close there's a new piero's it's grown up but the osa buco there uh is mind-bogglingly mm. good the service is phenomenal it's old school uh great pricing but piero's not the new piero's but the old piero's number one best place to eat in las vegas in my opinion i know where we're going mm-hmm. yeah osa buco uh, and I don't think they'll let us smoke on the patio unless we grease the palms. But hey, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll find a way to do it. <laughs> we we can pool our money for some sort of generous uh, persuasionary uh, green method. I'm sure we can figure something out for sure. 